Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on August 15th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest on Senator Lindsey Graham's subpoena fight, and we look at the week ahead at the State House, where abortion restrictions remain the focus. In business, we have some not-so-encouraging housing market news, and of course, the latest on gas prices, and how economic news out of China will push prices even lower. And in medical, we continue our look at monkeypox, with medical experts from Johns Hopkins University talking about vaccine issues and fighting the stigma of the disease. But there is no stigma for you calling us and leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. We're talking one to three minutes about anything on your mind. We'd love to hear from you guys. Just leave us your name, where you're calling from, and a little message at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is high according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We'll have new COVID data for you from DHEC on Saturday. DHEC did start releasing monkeypox or mpox vaccine data, and the state has received 3,647 doses of the Genios vaccine, and DHEC has administered 457 doses since July 25th. The agency says that unlike COVID-19 or other viruses that pose a larger threat to the public, mpox vaccinations at this time are not recommended for the general population because of the specific way the virus spreads. They are currently only recommended for high-risk individuals, specifically at-risk men who have sex with men. You can call the DHEC care line to schedule your vaccine appointment at 1-855-472-3432 or visit scdhec.gov slash mpx. Now to date, there have been 11,177 confirmed cases of mpox in the United States and 60 in South Carolina. A federal judge said Monday that Senator Lindsey Graham must testify before a special grand jury in Atlanta as part of an ongoing probe into whether former President Donald Trump and his allies like Graham violated any laws while looking to change the outcome of the 2020 election. We've been following this back and forth coverage for some time now, with Graham's attorneys attempting to quash the subpoena, saying that the senator is protected by certain immunities. However, in a 22-page court order on Monday by U.S. District Judge Lee Martin May, she wrote that in sum, the court finds that there are considerable areas of potential grand jury inquiry falling outside of the speech or debate clause's protections. Additionally, sovereign immunity fails to shield Senator Graham from testifying before the special purpose grand jury. Finally, though Senator Graham argues that he is exempt from testifying as a high-ranking government official, The court finds that the district attorney has shown extraordinary circumstances and a special need for Senator Graham's testimony on issues relating to alleged attempts to influence or disrupt the lawful administration of Georgia's 2022 elections. Now, Graham is part of this investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, and that centers around two calls that the senator made to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger following the November 2020 election. Senator Graham maintains that these two phone calls constitute protected legislative activity because they were investigatory, information-gathering exercises that were, quote, legislative. Senator Graham spoke about the investigation when asked last week during a press conference with Governor Henry McMaster. We will take this as far as we need to take it. 
I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I had to vote on certifying an election. This is ridiculous. This weaponization of the law needs to stop. So I will use the courts and we'll go as far as we need to go and do whatever needs to be done to make sure that people like me can do their job without fear of some county prosecutor coming after you. Graham is set to go before the special grand jury in Atlanta on August 23rd. Monday afternoon, Graham said he plans to appeal to the 11th Circuit. Back here in Columbia, abortion will be the focus of several hearings at the State House this week. First, on Tuesday morning, the House Judiciary Special Laws Subcommittee is expected to rubber stamp H. 5399, the House's new restrictive abortion bill, which outlaws abortion in the state and only provides exceptions for the life of the mother. That bill will go before the full House Judiciary Tuesday afternoon, and the full House is set to return on Tuesday, August 30th to take it up. Now, on the Senate side on Wednesday, the Senate Medical Affairs Committee will hold its first hearing on changes to abortion laws in the state, of course, following the landmark U.S. Supreme Court decision Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization that overturned nearly 50 years of abortion access precedent in June. The Senate Medical Affairs Committee will hear three hours of testimony from invited guests in the morning and in the afternoon is set to hear public testimony from some 100 people for up to three minutes apiece, or five hours. Welcome to our business section, where we're going to focus on the housing market today. So let's start off with a quick vibe check. And the best way to do that is the National Association of Home Builders slash Wells Fargo Housing Market Index, which essentially measures the pulse of the single-family housing market. Home builder confidence, though, fell for the eighth straight month in August as elevated interest rates, ongoing supply chain problems, and high home prices continue to exacerbate housing affordability challenges. In another sign that a declining housing market has failed to bottom out, builder confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes fell six points in August to 49, marking the first time since May 2020 that the index fell below the key break-even measure of 50. Now, NAHB chief economist Robert Dietz said tighter monetary policy from the Federal Reserve and persistently elevated construction costs have brought on a housing recession. The total volume of single-family starts will post a decline in 2022, the first such decrease since 2011. However, as signs grow that the rate of inflation is near peaking, long-term interest rates have stabilized, which will provide some stability for the demand side of the market in the coming months. And if you're a millennial like me, well, keep on waiting. (laughs) Keeping with housing, South Carolina foreclosure rates, which are one measure of how healthy a housing market is, are significantly higher than the national average. Scott Morgan has this brief report. Adam Data Solutions looked at foreclosure numbers for July and ranked South Carolina's foreclosure rate fifth among states. South Carolina's rate of one foreclosure in every 3,000 homes is significantly higher than the national average of one in 4,600 homes. Only Delaware, New Jersey, Illinois, and Nevada had higher foreclosure rates. Overall, the report finds that U.S. foreclosures are down 4% from June, but are still 143% higher than a year ago. And the July dip could be a typical lull before higher foreclosure rates kick back in. 
Adam spokesman Rick Sharga said in the report that third quarter foreclosure numbers have been the year's lowest for most of the past decade and says the country could be heading back to, quote, a more normal seasonal pattern of delinquencies and defaults. That was just a little bit of scotch, just a little treat for y'all. You can always find that reporting and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And on the way out, gas prices. That's right, folks. AAA reports that the average price for a gallon of gas in South Carolina is $3.50. That's down $0.09 cents from the week before and $0.58 cents from a month ago. You know what you can do with all that money you're saving? Send us a little thank you, a little present. <laughs> now, expect those prices to drop even more. West Texas Intermediate was trading around $88 a barrel on Monday, and Brent Crude, the international oil benchmark, was around 94 Both of those were down about $4 each on news of slowing economic data coming out of China. Now, China, the world's second biggest economy, saw declines in factory output, investment, consumer spending, youth hiring, and real estate in July, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, shaping a lot of this is the threat of repeated COVID lockdowns and a deflating real estate bubble. Cases of monkeypox or mpox continue to rise in the state and nationwide. We've talked in depth about South Carolina's ongoing response to this outbreak, as well as steps being taken nationwide. Last week, Johns Hopkins University held a live briefing with several medical professionals about mpox, discussing the basics to stigma, vaccine dosing, missteps, and spread. Dr. William Ross, professor of the Bloomberg School of Public Health and executive director of the International Vaccine Access Center, spoke about the latest development, with the Food and Drug Administration granting an emergency use authorization for using fractional dosing of the limited supply of the Genius vaccine. Here's Dr. Moss. On this past Monday, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization um, uh, for the use of uh, intradermal injection, which is one-fifth of the standard subcutaneous dose for people 18 years or older. Um, There is a biologic rationale for a lower dose of a vaccine administered intradermally because of the the high abundance of immune reactive cells or antigen presenting cells in the dermis. And there's also long historical, uh, uh, there's historical examples of using fractionated uh, intradermal dosing for yellow fever, inactivated Uh, polio vaccine, rabies vaccine, and meningococcal vaccine. So we have a fair amount of experience with this. And there is evidence. It's one study from a a study published in 2015 in the journal Vaccine uh, that showed similar levels of neutralizing antibodies uh, with modified vaccinia uh, anchor uh, vaccine um, when it's administered intradermally compared to when it's administered uh, subcutaneously. Moss said this will afford an opportunity to study and obtain solid data on the efficacy of the vaccine itself, as well as the smaller dosage. The goal of the country's vaccine program right now is to prevent infection and prevent spread. Again, not like the COVID vaccine campaign, to prevent not only infection, but severe disease, hospitalization, and death. So very different again from COVID response. Now, of course, a series of missteps has led to the need for fractional dosing to meet future demand. Here's Moss. The big issue has been the the doses uh, available 
The U.S. government is currently distributing about 1.1 million doses, um, but some experts uh, estimate that we need at least 3.5 million doses, and that need may expand uh, as transmission increases. The way the U.S. government allocates doses is based on the number of uh, cases within a particular jurisdiction, as well as the number of at-risk individuals. And this, these allocations are right now three waves. The first wave uh, started on July 29th. Uh, where jurisdictions can get 40% of their full allocation. And then throughout this month on uh, through August 15th and then the end of August, uh, the remaining uh, 60% will be allocated to these jurisdictions. Um, the net, we expect the next delivery of about a half a million doses to happen in October. And then not until next year are we really expecting the, a, a large uh, supply of vaccine over 5 million doses. Now, there certainly have been missteps along the way. Uh, at one point, the U.S. government had uh, about 20 million uh, doses of the Genios vaccines, but those vaccines uh, expired. Uh, those were stored in the national stockpile. Um, there were delays in getting the 1.1 million doses that are currently being um, allocated by the U.S. government, delays in, in requesting these from the manufacturer of Bavario Nordic in, in Denmark. Mark, um, and then also delays in additional orders of the 5.5 million. Um, the U.S. government in, has invested more than $1 billion uh, in this vaccine, owns uh, reportedly about 16.5 million doses, but those doses were stored in bulk, uh, not in the vaccine vials that uh, we need in order to distribute the, these to the points uh, of administration. Um, and that's why uh, the delays in, in these orders or why we're not going to get that 5 million doses until next year. So everything right there that you wanted to know about the current state of the vaccine allocation and distribution effort underway right now. But with about 630,000 doses distributed, we're still a long way off to protect the 3 million or so at-risk group of MSM. Dr. Moss added that depending on how well the current outbreak is tackled, there may be a need for booster doses in the future. Of course, we're still a long way off there. But let's talk more about stigma of MPOX. Jason Farley is the Endowed Professor of Nursing Leadership and Innovation at the School of Nursing and Director for the Center for Infectious Disease and Nursing Innovation at Hopkins. And he said he's hearing a lot of similar messaging that harkens back 40 years to the AIDS epidemic and the attacks on the gay community, a.k.a. the men who have sex with men or MSM community. I really want to, to center the, that voice, the patient's voice here. Uh, for, for those of you who may not be aware, Stigma is defined as a deeply held discrediting belief of being less than others. And you could see how that could be applied in the circumstances of many infectious diseases, but in particular into mon with monkeypox. So with this particular illness, we've seen, and, and from my personal, uh, both in my patients as well as in my discussions with colleagues, um, stigma presenting itself in a variety of different ways. The first is the outward physical manifestations of the illness lead to the potential for undiagnosed or unintentional disclosure uh, by strangers. So the individual can look at an in another person, see that they have monkeypox and exhibit symptoms of outright stigma uh, directed at the individual who is experiencing this. So this can occur anytime a patient's asked to come into clinic with uh, lesions that may be uh, affecting their outward appearance. 
the labeling of the outbreak as a disease among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men is certainly both necessary from a harm reduction perspective, but also a stigmatizing message at the same time. Historically, this has not been a, a disease associated with the gay community. And, uh, and as, as Amesh mentioned, the, the importance here is that it has taken the opportunity and the vulnerability of social networks to, to establish itself in the current outbreak, which is, is different than the prior outbreaks of this infection. Right now, Farley says the focus needs to be on how to avoid mistakes of the past, increased harm reduction in public health messaging, and avoiding miscommunications that we saw happen during COVID-19. As for the name monkeypox, well, the World Health Organization said it will be holding an open forum to rename the disease after concerns that the name could be derogatory or hold racist connotations. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news, even though we sometimes talk about the news. But we like to talk about life during the pandemic, and we want to hear your stories. Tell us your little anecdotes, any questions, little tidbits. Keep us abreast. We love hearing from you guys. 803-563-7169. Leave us a message with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. We're busy telling you about what's going on in this world. We want to hear about your world, world, baby. Just like Bobby's world. Bobby's world. Oh, Bobby. (laughs) Big head, little hat. (laughs) Everyone has shining kind of bicycle, drives it around. (laughs) Anyway, if no one knows what we're talking about, call and tell us to shut up. Hey, no more talking. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Gavin, we do have a call. Yes. And if any listener was listening to this whole podcast and thinking, wow, Gavin really sounds like something's on his mind, like he's focused elsewhere. Mm. It's because I told him before we recorded that our caller today had a bone to pick with him, but I wouldn't tell him why. <laughs> so, so he's been a man with something else on his mind this whole time. So are you ready, Gavin? Are you yes. ready to find out? Fire away. Okay, here we go. Hold on. This is uh, Ben from Greenville and calling in with a little bit of a rant here. Uh, Gavin said in the opening on Saturday's episode, that the FBI's investigation of Donald Trump uh, was the big, might be the biggest news story of the year. Uh, I just have to strongly disagree with that. Uh, the first land war in Europe since World War II, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, might be the uh, one of the biggest stories of this decade. And of course, we don't know uh, what's going to happen next, but. Uh, you know, in my book, uh, probably the one of the most significant geopolitical events uh, since 9-11. So I think that far overshadows uh, what the FBI did in uh, Florida, Mar-a-Lago. So that's my rant, and I'll leave it there. Uh, do appreciate the coverage. Do appreciate and look forward every week. I uh, just had to rant a little bit about that uh my my perspective on the relative uh, magnitude of the stories this year. Uh, keep it up. We're looking forward to the episode. Ben, we love hearing from you always. And uh, I definitely agree with you that the uh, invasion of Ukraine was is the biggest story of the sure, year and sure. decade for sure. Uh, maybe not decade. COVID was pretty pretty rough there. But I think COVID. the way that some people were treating this FBI search, <laughs> you would have thought that, you know, move over Ukraine, move yeah. over COVID. Like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the most important thing ever. And we're learning more and more details, of course, that it's just, you know, a simple search of, 
trying to get classified data that never should have been there in the first place. They showed so. up with a list, crossed everything off the list. It was signed Check for, and then they're gone. Yeah, like, it's not that exciting. But you would, yeah, you would have thought that it was <laughs> a separate war. Some people think it is, like we've been hearing from folks. So. Yes. But thank you for checking us on that bed. Thank you for putting that in perspective because Ben, I that love that is it. real news. Ben, I love you going for Gavin's throat. Yeah, come for me. Come going for his throat. You, I mean, egg on Gavin's face. Oh. And then I guess you know people would also talk about Roe versus Wade being a big one too. Yeah. A lot of big stories this year. Jesus. Too many, if you ask me. Yeah. Too, too much guy. news infecting this wind down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's on us. That's on me. That's on us. Okay? Um, but at you had a little bit of a goober of a weekend. I had what quite a goober of the weekend. My breaking news. My biggest news of the the decade now yes. is that this past weekend I made boiled peanuts. Mm-hmm. Okay, your boy. He went out. He bought a bushel. Bushel. Bought a bushel, boiled the bushel. Mm-hmm. And now I got plenty of sacks. I got uh I got big BPE, boiled peanut energy. Yeah, just so. send us a self-addressed stamped envelope. And we'll send you one peanut. <laughs> send you yeah. one peanut. <laughs> yes. And so uh, this is like the seventh year straight that uh, my friends and I, it's, I mean, great outdoor activity. And anyone in for the sure. state knows for sure that it was a fabulous Beautiful weekend. Beautiful weekend. Amazing weekend. So, I mean, we sat in my carport next to Open Flame. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we grilled. We uh, It was a lot of fun. And so my mix this time, we've done just straight salt. You sure. know, We've done straight salt and water. Traditional. We've done that. We've done stuff where I go to uh, international markets and buy crazy ingredients and put that in there, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, this time we did, I had some leftover crawfish boil dust. Yes. Put a bunch of that in with some salt. And you know what? They turned out pretty good. We also put, like some, mix. Yeah. put some pork necks in so mm-hmm. they're not vegan. Just to give it a little meaty, meaty flavor. You, you know? got to use it. Hey, put you got to flaunt it, you know? A little southern you gotta love. got to flaunt it. It was very good. Uh, I got to say, I do, uh, Gavin wasn't lying, a self-addressed Stamped envelope. envelope because I have 12 gallon bags of peanuts. I would like one of them, please. You can have six. <laughs> <laughs> just sit in my office and just become a little puffball. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both going to have hypertension and blood pressure after this. I'm always kind of on the right there. I'm like 130 over 80 sometimes when I get my blood pressure. I'm like, I don't know why. Maybe it could be the salt. Uh, it can't be the salt. I'm not consuming that much salt. You look fit as a fiddle. Oh, thank you. you I was searching for a compliment there. <laughs> that was the whole point of that. <laughs> oh, it was a nice weekend, though. I actually went for a walk on the Columbia Canal, which I've never done before, but I was like, yeah, let me go explore. Everyone's always doing the river walk yeah. on the Lexington County side. Let me say, let me do the Columbia side. And, you know, we had that low humidity. It was wonderful outside. You had to go out and do something. It was so too nice outside. It. it was literally like every second I was outdoors, I was like, I should be golfing right yeah. now. Oh, you know? gosh. Oof. Yeah. Anyway, Gavin, before we go, I would just like to get your opinion on something. Something happened to me this weekend where I was talking to some of my friends from college, and uh, it just struck me as very strange, and I, I can't quite get it out of my head, okay? <laughs> so I want to get your take on it. Yeah. So my friend Jake... He's one of my best friends. He's one of my best men in my wedding. Um, He's about to have his second child, Mm -hmm. right? And he messaged us all, all of our friends in our college group chat, like this argument with his wife. And he said, guys, Sage and I were were in a fight. I want to get your guys' take on it. Mm -hmm. We're we're talking about baby names. Uh And Jake. A worthy fight. His side, his argument that he wants us to agree with him on is... He wants to name his kid Arson. 
Um, <laughs> A-R-S-O-N? Arson like the crime. Okay. And his wife is saying absolutely not. And he's like, I'm right, guys, aren't we? Aren't I? And none of us agree with him. Is that a family name? <laughs> <laughs> was, was someone convicted in the family? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I said, I said, my response was name him A.T. Freeman. You heard you know? the trick of that name in there. <laughs> arson, arson, treason, Freeman. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so do you think that is a passable no, name? No. No, right? Like that is, you're setting your kid up for like, yeah, we give a little fire bug from the beginning and he'll, he'll probably commit arson before it's all said and done. I, it's, it's, it's science, like, it's absolute guarantee that that kid's going to. Going to have to. He's going to do arson, right? <laughs> It's his namesake. It's expected of him. His namesake it. is to to maliciously burn something down, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think I think we've quashed that down. But he he's still he's these it's days later, and he's still trying to justify the name Arson. Is he just trying to go for something different? Like I cool? I honestly don't see Jake as that type of person. Huh. So I mean, like I just I cannot explain it. It's so weird. I- he should just wait and let the kid just give the kid the nickname. Wait Go till with an A name and then just start calling him Arson on the side, okay? Like, <laughs> don't brand him Arson for the rest of his life. Anyway, I want people to sound off on this just a little bit, okay? Yeah, give us some crazy baby names. Yeah, and also like get it. What's the best crime to name your baby? <laughs> Let us know, okay? Anyway, Gavin, say goodbye to him, okay? I'm thinking of crimes that want to name my Espionage. Espionage. <laughs> Not bad. In the news, hot new name. Yeah. Hot new baby name that everyone is SB. committing. Oh, baby Espy. <laughs> anyway, have a good week, everyone. And uh, Gavin, say goodbye. Yes, give us a call. <laughs> we would love to know what kind of crime baby you want to have. 8035. 7169. We love hearing from you guys. And you can be like Ben. Give us a call and give us a shout. Let us know what's going on. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate that as well. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. It was something you said. What was it? It was something that you said. <laughs> now, keeping with housing. <clears throat> uh, is that a penny? <laughs>